You are listening to the Alouette's Flight Deck, a proud member of the Canadian Football Podcast Network. All right, folks, we've been cleared for takeoff. Welcome to Alouette's Flight Deck, podcast dedicated to Montreal Alouette's football. I am Tim Capper, along with the Isaac the bartender to my captain Stubing, Cliffy D. Welcome, sir. Aloha. Welcome aboard. Hey, hey. hey. Oh, I'm all for, I'm, I'm here for the Love Boat references. <laughs> what was it? It's funny. You ever been uh, on a cruise? Uh, no. No, I have not. <laughs> there was a really I, long I, pause there. <laughs> I, I've been on, I've been on a boat. I've been on boats, but I have oh. not been on an actual cruise. Okay, uh, so I have, and no, this is not saying ha ha. I have, but so speaking of the love boat, so I was actually on Princess Cruise Lines, which is what you know, which is what they were for the love boat. It's the same exact cruise line, mm-hmm. and what they actually do, Cliff, in between ports is whenever they leave ports, they actually you know they they sound the horn which is, you know, signifying that they're leaving. But it's not any, any just normal horn. The horn itself, when they are leaving, is actually the theme to the love boat. I did not know that. Silence is golden. Uh, <laughs> so every time, it's like... It's like it's so cool. I, I was on there the first time. I was like, "This is cool. I got to go see Isaac. Maybe hmm. Julie. Maybe Julie, the program director, is around somewhere." And if you get sick, you got a medic on board. That's right. What was Doc? What was his name? It was. Uh, see, that's one of the few ones I can't remember. Oh shoot! Um, <laughs> gosh, and I can picture him too with the glasses and everything. Yeah, yeah. Dog got it. Yeah, yeah. Talk about you. Hey, one of the many. What is it? One of the one of the many late seventies, early eighties shows that use a ton, mostly of of B actors to to prop up the the uh, the the, the storyline, quote unquote storyline for the week. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, uh, and I got no segue for this week, so it, it didn't work very well. But uh, the game, first Sunday game of the year versus Saskatchewan. A lot of I know a lot of Saskatchewan fans are thinking it's a trap game but um i don't know could we consider this a a a manzel coming out party finally is it fair to say i mean yes the alouettes did lose the game they lost the game by five it was a very entertaining game considering that the alouettes were uh almost outgained what almost almost three to one almost three to one in total yards total net yards but um is that a fair assessment to say this was a coming out game finally for johnny manzel Absolutely. I think this is the game that people have been waiting for, especially all the people that said, just wait. You just give Johnny a chance to learn the playbook, give him a chance to really get comfortable, really get into the system here in Montreal. And you wait. He's going to be the star that everybody keeps talking about. And you know what? Listen, I, I'm still not on the Johnny ben, Mansell bandwagon. I don't hate the guy. I, I, I'm not a fan of the guy. I mean, I just he, – he's there for me as, as, as far as I'm concerned. Like he's, he's the quarterback, so – 
great. He's the quarterback. But yeah, I have to say, like this 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 past Sunday, he played overall. Like again, his numbers do not reflect the game that he played, but no, I agree. Yeah. He actually played, I found, a very solid game. And there were times where I can look at this game overall and say, you know what? If Manziel had better protection, uh, if his receivers were just a little like all the all the thing, all the excuse makers, all the excuses that were being made earlier as to why he was just flat out bad, those actually applied to this particular game. <laughs> and it, it, it's so funny because like people are just like, well, you know, everybody's making excuses for the guy like early on. But those excuses actually pertained to this particular game against the Rough Riders. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's it, it's it's really interesting, like just how he really came into his own into this game. Like he actually looked like the quarterback from the Montreal Alouettes, as opposed to just sticking a guy out there, like throwing him out into the wolves. And uh, you know, good luck, kid. But uh, yeah, that was game one. Um, yeah, like, like you take a look at that first game versus Hamilton, where he was just he, he just had his, his lunch eaten for him many times over mm-hmm. versus like this was a winnable game for Montreal. I mean, there, Johnny, once again, Johnny Menzel was not the reason why the Alouettes lost this game. No, there are a lot of reasons why. But by and large, I watched Johnny Menzel more or less put this team on his back and nearly willed them to win like that's. Nothing short of incredible as far as I'm concerned, considering how low my expectations were of Manziel and this whole experiment with the Alouettes. I I always say no expectations, no disappointments, but uh, I I was pleasantly surprised to see what I did this past Sunday. No, I I agree. I agree. Now, the obviously the hundred and twenty, approximately hundred and twenty two thousand dollar question is, um, is Johnny the guy? For the future, I mean, yes, he has a year left. He shows that he has shown signs of of being a better quarterback. Um, you know, I, I, is it? You know, is he Montreal's quarterback at least of the n- near future? I mean, you know, obviously a year next year he has left on his contract. Um, so many different variables too. But I mean, there's so much talk of is he going to be assigned an extension, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But is he? The is he going to be the guy going into you know when if if Coach Sherman is still here next year at the training camp will it be from day one of training camp Johnny Mantel is our guy? I have to I have to say yes or really I mean yes he is contractually obligated to be with Montreal until the end of the 2019 season and I have to believe that I mean regardless of where his football future is going to take him whether he manages to get back to the NFL which I. I just don't see happening. Uh, this Alliance of American Football comes calling. Uh, they may want uh, that star power that you know that drew drew him to the CFL. Uh, and again, they'd be offering him American money, not Canadian money. Uh, I don't know. I I, I think it's going to be a really in- it's going to be really interesting. I guess a lot will depend on just how these last four games are going to end. Yeah. And I think a lot of it does have to do with Manziel himself, too. Like, does he really want to be here? Like, he has said in the past that he's using the CFL to get back to the NFL. And that's fine. Lots of players do that. But um, I, I have to wonder, as as far as the future goes, like, beyond 2019, whether he'd still consider the CFL a viable option as a career, kind of like what Doug Flutie did. Yeah. I, I just don't know. I... He may not have a choice. Maybe there are no more viable options. Maybe this 
Alliance of American Football doesn't work out. Maybe the XFL doesn't work out uh, as far as long-term sustainability goes, whereas the CFL does have that. Uh, I don't know. There's just there's so many questions right now, and I guess the only person who can really truly answer them is Johnny Manziel. Yeah, yeah. Um, a, few, a few things to talk about. I know it was the uh, we it was a Military Appreciation Day. We have a few things. So we did reach out to the team to try to get some clarification on a few things, which we'll bring up in a minute. We were able to get some clarification also on this infamous. Uh, we talked about last week about the um, the conditional draft pick that the Alouettes would be receiving for uh, for Terrell Sutton. And I'll I said well I'll I'll give everybody an update here in a couple of minutes on on what we found out. Uh, but the game itself, I mean, it's, you know, as I said, uh, you pregame, it's, uh, you know, 187 to 502 total net yards. Uh, Saskatchewan just brought it. Second downs, they were 15 of 23, Cliff. That is absolutely nutballs. Uh, Montreal was a pathetic 5 of 15. But the funny thing, as I said, the score didn't, the score didn't show it. Um, it's just the stats did. But, you know, Montreal was still in the game with, with some, a little bit of luck. Uh, I, I think the first uh, punt return for a touchdown in two years. Um, so, you know, as I said, it's, the, it's funny. The score is not really misleading. The stats themselves were another story in themselves. So Menzo was only 9 of 16, 138 and 2. No interceptions. That's huge. That's massive. Yeah. When you think about, like, again, you go back to that first game versus Hamilton where he threw four picks and – Throwing four picks, apparently... In the first half. Yeah. Uh, you take a look. Antonio Pipkin threw four picks in that one bad game that he had, and he got the hook. So I don't know if the pressure, if that sort of puts the pressure on Manziel to not throw any picks, to be a little bit better with his reads. But uh, again, I will give Manziel credit. He It looked like he saw a lot more of the field. He saw things a little bit better than he has been in recent weeks. And... Again, I, I'll give him props. I mean, not just throwing two, his first two touchdowns in the Canadian Football League, but zero interceptions is huge. In fact, Montreal did not turn the ball over once. Yeah. I mean, that itself is remarkable. I, what's funny, though, is that normally the team that wins the turnover battle will win the game. But Saskatchewan... That's twice this year for the Owls. They're 0-2 when, when that's the case. Mm. Um Johnny, I said rushing. What I think to me was not up to par where it should have been. Manziel was five of five for forty-five. Longest was twenty-five on a gorgeous, a gorgeous run where you thought he for sure he was going to get sacked. Uh, <laughs> stand back, only eight attempts for thirty-one yards. I think this is where it's a little lacking. Even though, as I said, they were still within the game. Pipkin got three of four. He got the other, uh, the other touchdown um, with uh, the goal line uh, rush. Uh, Eugene Lewis got uh, one for zero. I think it was wasn't it on another one of those. Yeah, it was on on one of those reverses that they tried to do. Those the sneaky reverses. What they've been trying to do. What once every other couple of games. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Darius Bowman. He had that. It was a. Bro- I think it was a broken play. The broken play where they, they had touchdown for Darius Bowman. One for one uh, for forty seven yards and a touchdown. Uh, Ejac, uh three receptions on four targets. He got the other touchdown. That was on the. Uh, uh, well, Halfback, halfback option. <laughs> the flea flicker. The double the flea, flea flicker. flicker. Yeah, yeah. Uh, for Johnny Manziel's first ever CFL touchdown, and what a way to go! What a way. That was that was just a thing in itself. It was just a beauty. Oh yeah, I. You talk about getting the, getting the fans excited about something. I mean, listen, if you're gonna score. How many people can honestly say they scored their first CFL touchdown on a flea flicker? I, know. I mean that 
that's phenomenal. And it was just one of those things. Like I, I watched it happen right in front of me, and like, oh my god! And I, I knew if Adarius dropped that one, phew, game like, okay, you, you're you're done, son. You, that's it. I mean, this is no, no. But I mean, that was just a, a thing of beauty. And of course, uh, I didn't see it because of all the excitement and everything like that. But sure enough, uh, the Twitterverse was all a buzz because sure enough. Johnny Manziel did his uh, his did, money sign. Yeah, he did the money sign. We got that for the first time, and uh, I guess first time that actually means something in the CFL. Um, mm. Yeah, and you know, by the way, to, before we continue with getting to the other numbers for the Owls, I keep hearing from everybody. I've heard a lot of thing on through social media and on the radio that are saying, well, you know, the Alouettes really didn't do anything. You know, your your offense kind of sucks when you have to do everything by by trick play. But my my comment to that is, uh, it's still offensive touchdowns. It doesn't matter how you score; it's still an offensive touchdown. Mm-hmm. You know, so so what? They, so they had to re- rely on trick plays. So what? You, are you going to say the same thing? Just if Wally Bono scores a touchdown on a trick play, does it mean anything? Anything just as less? Uh, Chris Jones, anything is less. Dave Dixon, anything is less. Come on, Mark Tressman, come on. Just because the Alouettes are are not having a very good year this year, it's just oh, it doesn't mean as much. Come on, that's Any, that's that's grasping at straws. As yeah, far I mean, as I'm yeah. Anybody's a football fan. I mean, come on, just get get out. You know what? I, I want to drop a, a lunatic here, but I I know I'm I'm just gonna be nice about it. Just get real. Come on. I mean, you score. It doesn't matter how you score. You scored. That's the thing. Stanbeck did have two receptions for 24 yards. Eugene Lewis uh, had only two receptions on five targets for 13. BJ, man, only one for eight on four targets. Um, I think you made mention of this on the show when you were speaking to Rod Peterson on the on the, uh, on the Riders program on Monday. You were talking about how BJ's just not getting the – he's just, just not getting the – he's down this year, even though we would still consider him a, a star. And it's, and it's funny. It's like they're like, well, who do you have on your team? Well, look who we have on our team. It's just that, and I think you brought up a good point too, is that with all the changes in quarterbacks, of course our guys can't get any rhythm together. What do you expect? I think if you know, a, if we were to have a quarterback here the entire season, I'm sure it would be a lot different. Without question. And again, despite the fact that B.J. Cunningham is leading the Alouettes in reception yards this season, which is, again, still a, a good feat, but the fact that he hasn't even cracked 1,000 yet, again, I don't blame B.J. for that. Uh, it's Again, some some of these passes that are being thrown his way, like he's not a miracle worker. I mean, yes, he's a very very talented football player, yeah. but he's not God. He can't catch every single thing that's thrown in his general direction. And more often than not, I feel like some of the plays that uh, he's been involved in, like he just hasn't had a chance to get himself set. He, he you know he runs his route, but then he's completely overlooked, or you know something goes wrong, or there's been times where he's gotten a suicide pass and he ends up getting tackled and. Something lands uh, the wrong way, and he yeah. just it's, it it doesn't work, and it sucks because again, I, as I said on the on the on the sports cage shout in Regina, I said you put B J Cunningham on any other team, and he is a bona fide superstar. Yeah, it's just on again, you Ernest Jackson two years ago, he, he was a great uh, I wasn't I was also a great Cup MVP, but I mean he he helped the Ottawa Red Blacks essentially win the Great Cup. Yeah. Put him in an Alouette's uniform, and all of a sudden he becomes a ghost who can't catch a cold. Uh, Darius Bowman, a couple of years ago, was one of the premier receivers in the Canadian Football League. Now he's just sort of—I well, mean, he's he's done okay, but not fantastic here. 
Eugene Lewis. Uh, the guy's got raw talent all day long, but same idea. I mean, he can run his routes. He can be ready. But again, if the quarterback's overthrowing him or just underthrowing him more often than not, mm-hmm. what the hell do you want from these guys? I like I said, it, it, I think we have more consistency at starting quarterback. I think the, the I think our numbers would be completely different. But it, it just goes to the fact of the problem that we are having this season. But first, first the defense. Chip Cox led the team with uh, he actually led the team with nine tackles. He actually got a sack too. Uh, Chip Cox became uh, was the number four player all time in defensive tackles in CFL history, if I remember correctly. I think that's what the Owls put out mm-hmm. uh, this week. Uh, Hinako Mwamba was also another beast. Oh, if he could have mm-hmm. only brought that touchdown, that interception back to the house. Oh. But you know what? He set the table for Johnny Manziel's second touchdown. That's true. And it was phenomenal. Like, again, this is where making plays when it counts is so important. And that's what kept the Alouettes in this game for the most part because there was a time when it looked terrible. But then as soon as Logan scored that touchdown, oh, got everybody got everybody riled up again. And it's how he did it. He broke yeah. a tackle and he was gone. Yep. And he, even uh, he knocks in interception. The, the the riders were driving downfield. They were in yeah. in the red zone. Yeah. Hinock picks it off, brings it back to midfield, gives excellent starting position for the offense. I mean, don't tell me the Alouettes didn't want to win this game. Oh, I know. And it's funny. You look at the stats, you'd never think that the Alouettes were in this game. You never would. But by the way, Zach Caleros, 29 to 41, 394, 1 and 1. Uh, leading rusher was uh, Ma- man Mason. Man, what what a game by him too! Thirteen rushes, eighty six yards, and a touchdown. Uh, for receiving wise, two riders were over hundred yards. Moore and Evans. Uh, Moore had nine receptions. Was it wasn't it Moore's uh, coming out game? Was it Moore? Oh no, no, no. Or, or, oh, no. Or was it Evans? I oh, well, I mean Evans has been uh, pretty consistent all year, but he was he really stood out for me on uh, on Sunday. Yeah, but, six, uh, six for one fourteen. But was it Moore's yeah. first game? Who, it was one of these that, that it was their first game in the CFL or first start. Uh, no, uh, Karan Moore's been playing. Uh, well, he's been mostly a returner for the uh, for the writers. Shaw. Um, th- so one of the one of their yeah. wide receivers. I think I can't remember which one it was, but yeah, uh, Kenny Shaw was his first. Yeah, there we go. Uh, his first start. Yeah, it was Shaw. So Evans had one fourteen. Uh, Shaw had uh, five receptions on for seventy five yards. See, that's the thing. And you look at this. And now, by the way, the, uh, again, the the their defense for the. Riders have been taking advantage. They took advantage of the Owls all game in a completely different way because it, it just seemed that they were not rushing many. It was either rushing three or rushing four, but the still is they still got was it five sacks? One, two, mm-hmm. three, five sacks. So the Alouettes are slowly, you know, <laughs> slowly getting to that point where they're getting inching closer and closer to the team record. They had fifty-three on the year. They are uh, last in the league and. The next closest team is Hamilton at thirty-three, so twenty difference. But you know, you, you look at the you look at the total stats themselves, Cliff. As I'm saying, you'd think that you know just the score itself it looks really close. Not at all. I mean, Saskatchewan held the ball for eleven minutes more. Saskatchewan had eighteen more first downs, eighteen, mm-hmm. and Saskatchewan ran thirty-one more offensive plays. 31. The Alouettes only ran 38 offensive plays that game, which no, is crazy. It, it really is. And the one thing that stood out more than anything else was just the defense just played soft. Yeah. Like they just, they, they, they put no pressure whatsoever on Caleros, on yeah. any of the receivers. Yeah. Uh, they let Trey Mason walk all over them for the most part, as mm-hmm. you saw. Just mm-hmm. by the, the numbers don't lie right there. Uh, 
man, I tell you. And even when they were able to get stops, it wasn't enough. Like like two of Saskatchewan's touchdowns were goal line goal line TDs by Nick Marshall. I, I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. It's just that there is just no no pressure, like no sense of urgency to to stop. Like I I understand you don't want to get blown up by a by an offense, but my goodness, like this defense just. Like I said nothing seemed to really like there, there there's no no killer instinct nothing like they just they were just kind of there yeah um can't also forget by the way as you're mentioning the the the, the punt return for the touchdown for the Alouettes I mean I said that's probably one of the most exciting things that we've seen all year we had a game where we had two ex- three exciting plays um it, it a lot has to be done for this team going forward it, it really does and it's the O line has to be shored up because we, you know, I, I know you predicted the projected that the Owls would go uh, have seven wins this year. It's going to be mm-hmm. tough, but I mean, if they can do some changes and get shore things up, it, it's very possible. I mean, especially with the teams that they they got Toronto twice, Hamilton, and they have uh, uh, Calgary this week. So anything's possible, dude. Anything's possible. So it's just they just got to shore this stuff up. And but again, they were still in the game. That was the main thing. They were still in this game. And, and funny, even though they were blown out stats wise, it was still of all the four games this week. It was still the closest game out of all the games this weekend. Oh yeah, uh, it's unbelievable. Like just the amount of offense that we saw in all the other games, and even this game too. I mean, I thought this was going to be a tight game, and I thought the potential to be a shootout was there. And sure enough, for the most part, it was. And by the way, remember what I said last week. In order for the Alouettes to win, they need to get score thirty. <laughs> well, all, almost did. Oh yeah, yeah, it, it, yeah. Uh, that Manziel rushed, to, which which almost it's for the two point convert. Oh, I mean, as I said, he's doing what he needs to do. Uh, we have to talk about it. we do it every week. Let's give a uh, let's give this this team a uh, let's give the team uh, our grades for the for the game versus Saskatchewan. Uh, let's start with the defense first, Cliff. Uh, because I think either way, I think you and I would probably say special teams would probably get anywhere from a B to a B plus. I think it's fair to say, right, considering what happened? Yeah, I mean, regardless of the touchdown, they, they still were able to move the ball. That Alouettes had decent starting position for the most part. Uh, I mean, I think this special teams unit is starting to come along a little bit better. Yeah. And my only thing is, uh, yeah, even though it's exciting that Stefan Logan scored that touchdown first time in two years, that was awesome. Oh, but. Yeah, yeah. There's still a lot of times where we're, we're lucky if he can get five yards. So I mean, there's still there's it's still nice. a lot of work. Yeah, there's still a lot of work to be done. That's but. true. And I think what people also forget too is that Stefan Logan is now the all-time leading uh, all-time leader in Alouette's history for punt returns and kickoff returns. Most people forget is, that. So he yep. he has the ability and he showed it. Um, defense. What would you give the defense? Definitely a D minus because. Yeah, despite the fact that uh, they d- they were able to force a couple of turnovers, uh, they did set uh, the the offense up on uh, with some good field position for the most part. The fact that they still couldn't contain Zach Caleros and his receivers uh, is unforgivable. Like yeah. to me, that's the reason why the Alouettes lost this game was because they were just so so soft on defense, and they just basically let the Riders walk all over them mm-hmm. more yeah. often than not. Yeah, so I, I'd say D minus. I'm. I mean, you look at what they did. The I think the biggest, the biggest thing to look at is the the last riders drive of the game, uh, where the Alouettes had a chance in order to stop them. Uh, was that the drive which was 
basically blown, I, and I say it this way, it was basically, uh, maybe homering this, but the uh, the DPI, was that on the last drive or the second to last drive? I think it was the second to last drive. Yeah, but that, that in itself was a joke in itself. I <laughs> uh, don't want to talk about the refs. We, I, I don't want Commissioner Jim, uh, Ambrosi to fire, uh, to, uh, to fine us. Um, <laughs> uh, Canadian tire money, anybody? Um, but yeah, I think it was just, it just, that last drive, not being able to stop them where they had a chance to possibly win this game. They just couldn't stop them at all. Yeah. I, I would probably give them a D. I'd probably give the defense a D because it's, you need some sort of defense in order to stay in the game. And uh, it just really wasn't there. Um, offense. Offense. I'd say, I'd say B plus. Okay. Again, they're still making a lot of mistakes, still not quite where I'd expect him to be after 14 games. But again, I, I, I'll i give full credit to Johnny Manziel and the play calling. Uh, I mean, for the most part, he had to get creative, which is what Johnny Manziel does. Uh, I think Kari was, uh, did a mostly good job of trying to find plays that worked with, within his skill set. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I would have liked to see a little bit more of, of the running game, but the few rushes that Stanback did have, uh, he looked solid. Uh, again, the receivers, the numbers, again, don't show it. But, I mean, they still were able to move the ball down the field for the most part. But, again, a lot of this game really does come down to we finally saw the playmaker that Johnny Manziel has potential to be. And now Montreal has to build around that. Montreal, if, if they're going to invest 100% in Johnny Manziel, if they really think that they can make him see the light, make him – buy into being an alouette especially since he again he is going to be here next year you may as well invest in him you may as well surround him with the talent that he's going to need to succeed and i I think that a lot of that talent is there still in this locker room i think it's now it's just got to be harvested a little bit better it's got to be nurtured a little bit more and I, i think we saw some of that this past sunday against the riders and again let's not forget they almost scored 30 points which as you said, that's what they would take. It would take the win. So, I mean, they came darn close to scoring that. And if they, again, if Manziel was able to make that two point convert to tie the game at 31 apiece, that changes everything. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, for me, I mean, it seems that Kahari seemed, as you said, is doing uh, calling some plays that are, are in uh, Johnny Manziel's uh, wheelhouse. I think though, that it can't all be all Johnny all the time. They need again, doesn't matter the quarterback. It just seems that, and it doesn't matter the running back either. The yeah, Al's just not taking advantage of their running game. And and if Standback is the per, is the guy now who's replacing Terrell Sutton, then they need to try to work him into the game a little bit more and, and show you know showcase what he can. Because this game too, Ryder Stone was on the one game injured list, so they, there was no back to back tandem that they you know that they could use. Um, I, you know what? To be fair, and considering that how the O line was not that good, I, I, I'm going to give him a C. I'm going to give the offense a, a, an overall C because I think there still is a lot of room for improvement. I think Johnny could be a lot better if they can, if the O line can hold these people back. Because you know, if Saskatchewan can only rush four and still get and still get five sacks and still cause as many pressures that they did, mm. they don't they don't deserve anything higher than a, than a C. They really don't. Um, no. So. I think what did help tremendously, though, is that we saw, well, due to injury, uh, Luke Bredard-Jodin had to go back to his uh, natural center position. That's right. Which swung uh, Christian Matt out as guard, which is more typically his position. Uh, 
I think that's sort of helped improve things a little bit. But I mean, that again speaks to the problem that this offensive line really does need to upgrade because when your best player is Luc Brodeur Jardin, who again, I've got all the love in the world for, but I think this will be his last season as well, just because he's not a young man anymore. And he's got a lot of kilometers on that body. Uh, like who, who's your backup? Who's going to take over as center for the Alouettes? And yeah. I don't think Christian Matt has really done the job. I mean, he's been good in a pinch, but as uh, they've been trying very hard this season to make him the full-time center and it's just not working. I, it's not working to any great consistency, unfortunately. Like, I think this is one of the things that in the offseason, uh, whether the Alouettes win their last four games or lose their last four games or whatever the case may be, Cavis Reed, if he's still the general manager, is going to have to take a good long look at this offensive line and he's going to have to say, this has to get better. And these are the moves he needs to be making. Never mind trying to get a flashy quarterback or a, a sexy wide receiver making outstanding plays or anything like that. Like, you need to get this offensive line built and built strong and then have depth behind that. Because, again, if you're going to have Johnny Manziel, whether it's for another year or maybe even more, you got, I don't care who the quarterback is. You've got to be able to protect that quarterback and let them do their job. And this offensive line has failed miserably this season oh, yeah. in doing that job. Oh, yeah. And it just, just goes to show just, just they're last in the league in, in sacks given up. So that's a... That's a, a sign of, of uh, a poor O-line. Um, you had a chance to go on the field after the game. Um, uh, what was your, uh, what was, what's your takeaway from what, what you were able to chat with the players and, and, uh, and uh, see post-game? Here's the thing that I found really fascinating. I, I spoke with quite a few of the defensive players because, I, again, I, I'm never going to go there and just tell them that they played like absolute garbage because they really didn't, but they also really didn't play up to their full potential. So it's always kind of a delicate balance as to how, how do you talk about this? And I just said some, I, I just asked him like, you know, is, is the message still being received from Rich Stubler? And every single one of them said, yeah, no, we definitely believe in the message. We definitely believe in what coach Stubler is telling us. And it's just a matter of, we've got to be able to execute, which I, I found really interesting. Like not one person sort of deviated from that. So right. either the cool, either the Kool-Aid in the dressing room is really, really good. Or it's not cool. Or, <laughs> <laughs> or they really do believe that what Rich Stubler is, they're buying what he's selling. And again, it, for Alouette's fans, I know it's got to be frustrating to see just the defensive effort or lack thereof uh, this past Sunday. But, I mean, they still believe in their coach, which is, I guess, a good sign. But it's, it's just how do we go from, okay, you, you get the message, you understand what the coach is saying. Yeah. But then as soon as you get out on the field, there's like a major disconnect somewhere. Right. And how do you fix that? Like what, what's got to be done? So that's – that's another thing that's going to have to be uh, addressed as well in the future as to the uh, the, uh, the defensive woes for the Alouettes. Uh, any any other last anecdotes before we uh, get away from what you saw off uh, on the field after the game? Well, it's just uh, again, this team is still trying to stay upbeat. There's still no one's hanging their head. No one's disappointed. Uh, I mean, I mean, like they know that they've got to be better, and I think. It just comes down to, like I said, execution more than anything else. Uh, one thing I was a little surprised about was uh, I didn't realize how tall Johnny Manziel was. I, he looked so small on the field, like watching him on TV. Yeah. But I was actually fairly close to him, and he's my size. Like I'm, I'm six foot one, and he's 
like eye to eye with me practically. I didn't know that. Like it, it's very deceiving just how things look on TV. But uh, well, when you're also standing next to uh, these huge linemen, <laughs> anybody's gonna look. But you're right. I mean, it's there, there is that to it. I I won't take that away. But it, it was just uh, really fascinating just to see. Like, wow, he's pretty big guy actually so <laughs> yeah six, six feet according to wikipedia six feet well there you go so i mean it's like i said it, it, it's it's it was really fascinating to me just to see see him and uh how he's put together and all that like it's yeah i just i i it's just one of those things like you just can't always believe what you see on tv i suppose <laughs> yeah um as as you remember uh, we mentioned before it was the tackle hunger game I want to thank everybody the the team announced that they had uh they were able to collect uh, what was up to th- uh, summarily 31,000 pounds of food and that that's amazing i'm trying to remember the last time the Alouettes had that amount i don't think even i think they had under 20 last year if i remember correctly but 31,000 pounds is absolutely outstanding for 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 the tackle hunter program um it was also Consi- yeah I was going to say, like, that is outstanding considering Montreal typically seems in this little, little friendly competition that they have amongst all the teams. Montreal usually seems to be either last or close to last. And we've actually superseded, uh, what was it, Toronto, BC, and Ottawa. I could not believe that. Holy, holy moly. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, we were actually going to, uh, we're going to talk about, I know we did, we're talking about this, uh, what we're going to complete about the, the trade and whatnot, but, uh, we actually have a special guest with us to, uh, to talk about the Stampeders, Alouettes. And joining us on the line right now, uh, we've got a special guest all the way, I was going to say from Calgary, but he's actually coming to us this evening from Las Vegas. Snowless Las Vegas. <laughs> yes, definitely. So I'm no, I know he's loving that. Uh, he writes for the uh, Calgary Sun, and he is the official beat reporter for the Calgary Stampeders. We are joined on the line by Danny Austin. Danny, welcome what? to the Alouettes Flight Deck. Man, it is an honor to be here with you two. So, yeah, thanks for having me on. I'm really excited. It's a nice way to spend a, an evening in Vegas before I actually get into it. So, <laughs> it's, yeah. Well, I promise we we won't be as rough as the uh, the UFC people are. So, uh, we'll we'll try to keep it civil. <laughs> uh, I'm not as rough as the UFC people are either. So, we're we're good. All right. Uh, Going into this game, uh, it's a very important game for Montreal because, believe it or not, they are still very much in the Grey Cup playoff picture. However, uh, if the Stampeders beat the Alouettes, you can pretty much kiss the Alouettes goodbye from the Grey Cup playoffs. Now, Calgary's more or less got themselves in the Grey Cup playoffs. Is there motivation for this team to still go out and and win as far as that goes or is it now are we now going to see the Stampeders go into a sort of rest mode not, i want to say rest mode but just be preventative i guess uh they're not there yet they're not at that point at all um you know when they when they clinch first place in the west division and i say when because they are going to do it um but when they have that home field uh, you know, West final game locked up, then yeah, I think you're going to see players get rested. I think you're going to see them, you know, start trying some new things, cut down on the playbook. But uh, I think that the Stampeders, because they've had so much success in recent years, are very aware that it's dangerous to take your, you know, your, your foot off the gas pedal. And uh, I, in my opinion, they still have stuff to play for. Um, you know, after this Alouettes game, they've got, I believe, the bombers riders and two games against the lions all of those teams are going to be hungry or all of those teams are going to want like the confidence boost that comes up with knocking off the stampeders so um i expect the stampeders team to until the west final is lo- like is definitely at mcmahon stadium to 
you know, be, be going full out and treating it like important games because that's not something you can fake. So you might as well take advantage of the fact that stuff matters when it does. Now, you, you look at the history of the Stamps in Montreal, especially as of late. I mean, the Stamps have lost the last seven of ten in Montreal in the last four. What is it about the, the Stamps coming out west? And it doesn't matter how good or how bad this Alouettes team is. What is, the, what, what is the issue with Calgary playing in Montreal? I mean, for a while, I thought that there was more to it than just nightlife. Um, because they kind of had to be, and it's disrespectful to professional athletes to you know assume that they would go out and do stuff that would affect their ability to do the job the next day. Um, I will say that I do think that like Montreal is a good town. It's got a lot of different stuff going on. I think that the Stampeders do sort of let loose a little bit. I'm not necessarily saying drinking or anything like that, but I do think that they go out and uh, you know probably have later nights than they do in other cities. Um, a lot more exciting than Regina, for example. Um, <laughs> but I mean, for the past couple of years, I did think that, that like the Alouettes played a sort of really grinding game, um, and that affected the St. Peter's last year. Jerome Messam got tossed out. Um, I forget whose helmet he ripped off, but I do think that losing your starting running back affects it. But um, honestly, I mean, if they lose this game, I- I'll be honest with you. I'm just going to chalk it up to the nightlife got to them because it's the only explanation. Um, because I, I do think that these are, are two teams that are on very different levels at this point. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really I can't explain. Like, last year, that St. Peter's team basically didn't lose to anybody until the Grey Cup and went into Montreal and played by far their worst game of the season. So uh, I think that there's a level where you can put two and two together um, and assume that, you know, it has something to do with flying a long way. And, you know, it's fun to go out of Montreal. <laughs> now, Bo Levi Mitchell is probably one of the, the biggest mysteries when it comes to playing in Montreal because he has yet to record a win at Percival Molson Stadium. Do you think that gets into his head a little bit, or do you think he really just doesn't care? He just plays his game, and whatever happens, happens. Well, I mean, you're asking for opinion here. So, I mean, I, I can't imagine that he gets too far into his own head playing at that, at that particular stadium. Uh, I mean, last year the crowd wasn't, obviously, it wasn't packed or anything. Um Honestly, I do think that on some level, like there's been game plans that have affected them. Um, I do think losing your running back again hurts. Um, I, I don't think that there's an aura to, you know, Percival Molson Stadium that affects Billy by Mitchell. Um, I I imagine that he, a quarterback doesn't do everything, and I, I do think that it kind of goes back to the last answer, where the whole team hasn't played well, and that sort of affected. Uh, the fact that Bo hasn't gotten a win more so than him being particularly bad at that stadium. Now we saw last week that there's a very good possibility of Eric Rogers coming back and, and, and playing for the team. I know he didn't play last week, but uh, from what we're understanding, he's, he is going to be a, uh, being able to play for the, for the stamps this week versus the Alouettes. How important an hour is he to get him back in, into the, uh, into the uh, Stampeders lineup this weekend? I mean, I think when Eric Rogers is healthy, he's the best receiver in the league. So, um, you know, at the best of times, you want that guy in your lineup. Um, he just, uh, you know, he out jumps DBs. I mean, there's just no one who can cover him, in my opinion, um, in the league. So, look, ideally they would want him back even if everyone was else, everyone else was healthy. But, like, it is hard to overstate how banged up this Stampeders receiving group is. I mean, Kamar Jordan, I thought, was playing like the best receiver in the league. Then he got hurt. Um Devaris Daniels was, was really stepping up. His, you know, had a really good season. Then he got hurt, probably season-ending. Reggie Bagleton stepped up 
once once Daniels went down, and once Jordan went down, then he got hurt. Uh, the Stampeders just need game-changing receivers. I mean, their their Canadian guys have done pretty well so far, but without Eric Rogers, I mean, I think la- last week I when they were playing the Argos, I kind of like looked it up, and they're starting five receivers had 106 games in the CFL, not starting, just like where they've appeared in yeah. games. And SJ Green alone had 146. So, like, this is an inexperienced group right now, and you you just, again, you, you'd always want Eric Rodgers in your lineup, but right now in particular, you really want him in your lineup. But the funny thing is, though, even though, as I said, even though the wide receiver core for the Stamps are so banged up, again, look at their record. Look at how well this team is still doing. So it, it, it just seems to be that... Uh, uh, Coach Huff and, and uh, Coach Dixon were are able to do what they need to do in order just to, you know, for the Stamps to continue winning. And, I mean, I fully I, I agree with that. I also, I mean, my argument for Bo Levi Mitchell being the most outstanding player in the league right now, but certainly the, the best quarterback in the league, is that he is doing it with receivers going in and out of the lineup. Mm-hmm. You know, he's having to find new chemistry with new guys. Um, and, I mean, they... The last couple of games as these receivers have gone, they're still going deep. They're still, you know, they're, they don't look that different. Um, and yes, you know, there is a level where they brought in some, some very high end talent. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it's largely Bo. Um, and then it's just the fact that the Stampeders really, really coach, um, coach their guys up and, you know, you're told when you're on the practice roster that at some point you are going to play, so they need you to be ready. It's so cliche, and I hate doing it. And then I also hate when athletes tell me that they're giving me a cliched answer. <laughs> and but like it's 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 true. I mean, the young guys on this roster are are still getting coaches if they're starters. Um, and yeah, I mean that's my only explanation. But it's it's been it's been something to watch. Um, I do think that there will be a drop out drop off if it's long term. Like if Rodgers couldn't come back this week, I wouldn't expect the Stampeders offense to look particularly dynamic. Mm-hmm. Now you talk about the players that keep coming in and out of the lineup. Is has there been one player in particular that has really stood out as far as I guess someone who's either underappreciated or someone that sort of flew under the radar that's really stood out for you this season? I mean, South because a lot of the guys on the defense, um, you know, if you follow the Stampeders, you know. I mean, Siante Evans at corner is an all-star, has been for a couple of years. Um, like, I still think Micah Johnson is underappreciated, um, but he's also sort of widely accepted to be the best defensive tackle um, in the league. I'm trying to – Ja'Gar Davis probably doesn't get talked about enough, um, but he's also only got four sacks this year, so the numbers aren't great, even though he does a lot of other things. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, I have to focus on the defense because the defense has been so good. Uh, I think that Jameer Thurman is not getting discussed as much as he should be. He's uh, kind of Alex Singleton's linebacking partner, and they really are sort of that like Batman and Robin dynamic duo uh, group. Jameer Thurman will be in the NFL next year um, and is just kind of that do-everything linebacker. He's also on special teams, and he's been phenomenal. Um and, and I think he'd probably be the guy who I think does the most that doesn't get talked about enough. Um, but, I mean, on offense, there, there's not really. I mean, on offense at this point, Marky Thambles started his last his first game, had 60-something yards. But, you know, I didn't know Marky Thambles' name until a couple months ago. So I wouldn't expect, like, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to go with Jameer Thurman. That is, my, that is my answer, guys. So even though the Alouette's offense has just been so poor, that, that's a that's – a, simple way i guess it's an easy word to to use this year for for the alouette's offense but uh, as of late it seems to be that uh their uh their prize in johnny manziel seems to be sort of uh, acclimating to the cfl game properly 
and doing quite a good job. Now, for the Al, uh, for the Stampeders this week, is it more or less to, to center on uh, on Johnny football, or is there something else that the Stamps need to center on when it comes to the Alouettes uh, offense? I mean, I think it's I, I think it's large, largely Johnny Manziel. Um, but I mean, I think that the way that the Stampeders defense works is that they just bring um, the defensive line is so good that they're always putting quarterbacks under pressure and sort of saying, "Hey, you got to beat me." And um, with the exception of the Edmonton Labor Day replay game, which I, I tend to kind of win or lose for the Stampeders, um, right off a little bit, just because I think that you know you're playing two games in five days, mm-hmm. a lot of guys get hurt. It's complicated. But I mean, what Saskatchewan did really, really well was just Zach Claros got the ball out of his hands in you know a second and a half to two seconds. It was so quick. It was just quick little passes and took the defensive line out of it. Um, and I don't know that Johnny Manziel is really that type of quarterback. Um, I don't think that you want to be holding onto the ball and, you know, running around and, and looking downfield late in the play um, if you're going to beat the Stampeders team. So I, I don't think that currently, although I do think Johnny Manziel, if he were to stick to it, would have a future in the CFL. Um, I didn't see anything about his style of play that suggests he'll be effective against the Stampeders team. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm not 100% sure that the Alouette's run game scares me either. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I... Look, I think that if you limit Menzel and you get to him, that's that's the way to beat win this game. I also think Dosa too that Calgary is about you know they're they're out middle of the pack when it comes to total sacks made in the CFL. They're at thirty, but yet the Alouettes are on a pace to almost shatter their their team record for most sacks given up in a season, and they're currently last in the, <laughs> last in the league. So I would think that you that the that the O O line for the for the Owls need to shore up a little bit because. The way they're going, uh, it's very easy for the for the Stampeders to have a field day versus versus them this weekend. And like, it's tough because I mean, Micah Johnson, I believe, is leading the Stampeders in sacks, and I mean, there's a bunch of guys with sort of five or four. Like, there's not that that one guy with 12 or 13 sacks right now. The way obviously Charleston Hughes is doing uh, for Saskatchewan, and uh, that might lead people to believe that some of these guys aren't stars. Um, but I mean. Micah Johnson, in my opinion, is the most explosive defensive lineman in the entire league and could play defensive end and said he's a defensive tackle um, and is asked to do so much on the inside that he's not always pass rushing. Um, so I, I think that, in general, like if this te- defense does see the Owls' offensive line as a vulnerability, I wouldn't be surprised to see them blitz a lot. I wouldn't be surprised to see them, you know, tell the Jaguar Davises, the James Vodders, just like, hey, go get them, you know, Bang, beat him up a little bit mm-hmm. early in the game and I, I do think that that works in part again because the defensive backs are good enough that you generally don't beat them on you know on one-on-one um passes very often but i i, I mean i i'm sure that you guys are hearing it i just don't i don't really see how the alouettes score on this st peter's team <laughs> to be honest with you i don't see how they score on the st peter's team either <laughs> yeah and it's not even like it's not even meant to be disrespectful i've just like I've sort of seen, I've watched, and like when this defense is clicking, um, teams have a tendency to score on their first drive of the game or their first drive after halftime, and then they don't put up other touchdowns until the game's out of hand. It's it's really that pronounced. Now, talking about this defense, uh, Alouette's fans got to see just how devastating they can be uh, earlier this season. I, a lot of it obviously has to come down to the, the coaching of Devon Claybrooks. In your opinion, is he still the defensive coordinator next season, or is he going to be a head coach somewhere else, possibly BC? 
Uh, I mean, or is he going to be a, um, a, a defensive line coach in the NFL? I think that we should look at look at that too. Um, I, you know, Devon did play in the NFL. He's got a lot of connections down there. There are a lot of people who are interested in him. I'm playing that is not with any inside information. I'm not in any way suggesting that I know that, but um, you know, I, I believe that there is interest. Uh, I, I I would be highly surprised if. Devon Claybrooks was defensive coordinator for the St. Peters next year. Um, but I'm saying that based on, I mean, I, you know, all of our understanding. I mean, we, we look at the job he's done, and he has had the best defense in the CFL for a couple years now. Um, they get better. They are, you know, it's not just the players. I mean, they, they scheme so well. They protect players who, you know, when they do need an inexperienced player in the lineup, they, they scheme to protect them. Um I think Devon Claybrooks should be a head coach in the CFL, but um, the only other option next year, in my opinion, is if he's in the NFL. Um, I don't think he'll be a defensive coordinator, but something like a defensive line coach and building up towards being a defensive coordinator eventually uh, would not surprise me at all. So, so going into the matchup versus the Owls this week, I mean, besides Bo Levi, I mean, what, what, what do these stamps need to do in order to uh, uh, finally, I guess we can say, get off the snide, Break this four-game losing streak in Montreal and, and walk out of walk out of Montreal with a win on Thanksgiving. I mean, I think they need to run the ball. Um, that really is like they have. This has been a very. I don't want to say that they've been hot and cold, um, but I, I I really have a lot of time for the Sam's running backs, and I think that they are young, and because expectations are so high in Calgary for this team. Um, they they were expected to play like veterans, and I don't always think that they have. And I think that there have been games where, you know, they've largely struggled for a while and then have had one big play that have sort of made the numbers look better than they maybe would have otherwise been. Um, but the run game is I it's going to have to be a focal point going forward. They don't even – I mean, Don Jackson is their starter. Romar Morris is the backup. Um but that's not even 100% written in stone, and that's actually not a great place for a team to be uh, heading into, you know, uh, it's still early October, but there's not that many games for them to get it figured out. So that's one of the things that I'm really going to be watching. Um, I think that there's a, a lot of work to be done um, with the run game. Um, if if it doesn't get going, I don't think they win the Great Cup because um, I, I don't think Bo's arm enough with the, with the receiving issues that they've had mm-hmm. um, is gonna is gonna do it. So uh, that's where that's where I think. But I mean, I I also think that the the defense is good enough that playing an Alouette offense is figuring it out. I don't think you need to put up more than twenty three or twenty four points. Um, and I mean, I, I said that to be nice. I I, I just <laughs> <laughs> I I'm not try, I. I just really don't think that the Alouettes are going to be able to put up enough points to to make this one all that interesting. All right. Well, Denny, I, you, you've said it all, really. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm not. I'm not trying to be a jerk. It's just, I mean, we got to like we have to be honest and look at their not only the records but the way these teams have played and you know the the consistency with lineups. There, this is not not a good year for the Alouettes, and this has been a very good year for the Stampeders. I mean, I just think that they're on a different level right now. No, and that's the thing with Calgary is they've been consistently good year in and year out. And uh, I'd say it's from top to bottom. Like what you start at John Huffnagel all the way down to the players. I mean, everything top to bottom has been just, I, I, w- I won't say perfect, obviously, but uh, this has been a very well-run ship, definitely out in Calgary. Yeah, and it's, I mean, I like it. 
I want to think. I want to think about how to say this a little bit, but like it, it hasn't been, you know, seamless. Um, there have obviously been player issues, uh, both legal issues and and otherwise. I mean, it hasn't just been perfect, but I mean, it, it blows my mind. And I like, I know that they wanted Tommy Campbell back. Um, you know, they expected him to be back, and then he left, and they went out and signed Trey Roberson, who I'm not saying is on Tommy Campbell's level just yet, but I think is probably should be most outstanding rookie at this point in the season. And he's just out there in the corner and just balling out and, um, you know, maybe gets beat, you know, once every three or four games, uh, down, down the sideline. I mean, I, they let go a couple players at a time and then they seem to find young guys who are just ready to step in and take the advice from veterans. And like, they never really seem like they're taking a risk with players, you know, like they're never signing to Ron Carter. They're never like, they're never doing that. It's, it's annoying because I could probably use a little bit more drama just as a reporter. It would be super fun, um, but I don't get it. And instead, I just sort of have to admire them. So if, if people want to follow you uh, with the stuff that you do for The Sun, Danny, or uh, follow you on social media, uh, where would they do, uh, go, to do, go to see your work? I am uh, Danny Austin, under, I guess, at Danny Austin, uh, spelt the way you think it is, underscore nine. Um, I'd love to get rid of that underscore nine, but the at Danny Austin is not giving it up. I've contacted them. Um, yeah, so that's where I am. I honestly like everything else, Facebook and Instagram. Those are, I mean, feel free to follow me, but they're just me being an idiot with my friends. Um, <laughs> they're not professional. So uh, Twitter's where I do it and, you know, try to have fun with it a little bit, but that's where you get your Stampeders uh, update. It was nice for you to, to reach out to, to get Danny onto the show. Uh, first time I, I've ever spoken with him and, uh, um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny speaking with different people, whether they're associated with the team or they're with a newspaper or what, it's always great to hear the, how different people, uh, talk about the Alouettes, think about the Alouettes, and then obviously compare them to, to their team. So it was, a, uh, a, a props to you again this week for, uh, for reaching out to him. Oh yeah. No, Danny's just a, a great guy, great follow on Twitter. So yeah, if you got his, uh, his, uh, Twitter handle there, uh, at Danny under Danny Austin underscore nine. Shoot him a follow. Uh, just absolutely hilarious to chat with and uh, good people all around. Uh, definitely, Danny, always welcome back on the flight deck uh, anytime he wants. So as we were talking about before uh, before we went to the interview, um, we were talking about, I wanted to follow up on a few things that we had, that I had mentioned that we were going to try to get the information for, Cliff. And that you haven't heard this yet. I, I wanted to keep in suspense. It's something, uh, it, not something that we normally do, but I said, you know what, why, why the hell not? Let's go ahead and at least try, the, try this at least once. Um, so first, uh, the as we know, that the there was a trade last week with uh, Terrell Sutton, and it was a, basically a trade of Terrell plus a third round. We received a second round and a conditional sixth round draft pick. And I was trying to find out to see if we could get more information from the team specifically to find out what would it take in order for us to get that uh, that draft pick. Um, so I reached out to, to the league and uh, hat tip to Brian Waitman over over with the team. He was able to get me some information. Um, and what I found out for the following, and this is how it goes here, Cliff. Um, I asked specifically, I said, what were the stipulations for the Owls to get the conditional six-round draft pick in the Sutton trade? And this is what he mentioned. He goes, so if BC signs Sutton as a free agent, because he is going to be a free agent in, in 2019, Cliff, uh, the pick will actually become a fifth rounder. Oh. So, but if they do not sign him and and Sutton signs elsewhere, it will remain a sixth round pick. So it actually is a positive. It's a plus. 
that if Sonny does sign, I had a sneaking suspicion it was going to be something to do with signing. Just it, this just basically confirmed it. Yeah, because also too, uh, this was one of the things I thought about when the trade went down initially was one he is making a, a fair bit of money, so mm-hmm. we thought immediately salary dump, and I'm sure most people thought that as well. Yeah. But also too was the fact that. Um, he also becomes a free agent at the end of the season. He only signed a one-year extension with Montreal in the offseason last year. So now it becomes, where, where, where do we go from here as far as Tyrell Sutton goes? Yeah. So yeah. I, so even if he did stay with the Alouettes this year, there's still no guarantee he'd be an Alouette in 2019 anyway. Exactly. So, so we're getting something from him, whether it be, a, whether it be uh, besides the, the second rounder, we're also going to be either getting a, a sixth or a fifth. So... So that's surprising anyway, other than that, because I say, again, thank, thanks to the to the team for let, for actually explaining this, because um, it was, as far as I know, it was not reported by any of the uh, English or French media that follow the Alouettes that this is what the stipulation was. Mm-hmm. No, I again, I think uh, given the circumstances of the move that had to be made, uh, I mean, again, I know a lot of people are still upset that Sutton's been was traded in the first place, but... Again, this does open things up for the younger running backs and also, too, you are getting some picks in return because, let's not forget, uh, Montreal does like to trade (laughs) first-round picks, and we've already burned our first-round pick on Tyler Johnstone in the supplemental draft, so we don't even have that to go with. So that's going to affect things a little bit. And also, too, uh, this team needs to reload as far as offensive linemen goes, and I think I have a feeling that a lot of the linemen that have been drafted uh, for whatever reason it hasn't quite panned out so the search continues to find that that depth that we need right right um also as you saw if you happened to, to watch the game on tv or be there in person you did see that the alouettes did wear their 425 uh, signature jerseys uh for the eighth time since they uh have been uh since they were introduced back in 2014 and i and i tweeted out a, a picture last week after we did the podcast uh, of it looked like that the Alouettes were going to go with a white uh, white shelled helmet rather than the two tone three twenty five bird helmets. The I don't I don't know what how to call them, but the signature helmets. I got signature helmets. Yeah. And I asked them specifically. I said um, I said what was the reasoning behind the minimalist helmets uh, for the games this week? And the team let us know that uh, for the the continuity of the white helmet rollout uh, this season. But uh, in blue, in order to fit the third jersey colors. And a follow-up question to them was, um, as we saw in the pictures, and if you watched that on TV, well, why do they only go with helmet? Uh, go with the uh, numbers of the players only on one side? Uh, they goes, it's basically was the, uh, it was an aesthetic choice. So it's they're they're following their you know like they had the seat they done all season. They have gone with the white helmets. Uh, usually on, with red uh, red logo, and uh, they just decided to switch it up. It, it kind of makes sense, by the way. Uh, it did match the the blue quite well uh, that that the team had on their jerseys. So um, now it just goes to. By the way, again, thanks thanks to the to the team and uh, Bright Waitman again for for updating us, and uh, uh, we'll contact them if there's anything else that does that we're curious to know about and to let you the fans know about now. Uh, I haven't seen anything, Cliff, because it's really early and uh, it's it's Wednesday as we're taping this. Uh, we don't know what the team's going to be wearing this week. It is a new month. Yes, it is. Uh, 
I'm curious to see myself what's going to happen there. If they're just going to revert back to their full logo like as we've come to know it, or if they're please, going to please, 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 <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> I can I can appreciate the the motive behind the whole roots the wings thing, and and that that was all fun, that was all well and good, but uh, I I think it's time to get back to the program, get back to what what works, and I would prefer to see a full full helmet full striping full lo- full color logo mm-hmm. not just one color but a full color logo would uh-huh. be really nice let's end the season on a on a positive and i think again we got four games left you know what they say look good feel good feel good play good play good win good so yeah <laughs> now i'm not saying that's the reason why the yellows have been so terrible this year is because of their logos and how how it how it looks on the helmets but <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I just would prefer to see for like the last couple of games, just go back to the, the normal look for the Alouettes. I yeah. don't think that's too much to ask. No, no, I, I don't think it is either. I think, it, um, again, it's uh, I'll applaud the team on their uh, on their roots to wings thing this year into a shorter game. Um, but, yeah, let's 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 get back to something. Let's get back to something that we do know. And, uh, you know, hey, it could be one of the last you know, within the next two years, it makes you wonder, is, is there going to be a slight modification to the helmets if the team does go in a major drastic direction, especially with new era coming in? So, um, yeah, well, it, it, it's interesting because a, a white helmet, you know, white helmet, see the owls, did the owls have, a, yeah, the owls had, it really was the Concords that had the white helmets. I think so. And I think the owls had it maybe for a year. I think they had them for a year or something like that. I have to go back and check. It's something that I should know. Um, but yeah, let, well, I said, I'm just checking social media real quickly. I haven't, I don't see anything. I don't see anything. And, uh, uh I get the team hasn't announced anything yet. So maybe, maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow, um, got the game this week, buddy. Um, oh no, there's, there's some more things that you wanted to mention actually, before we get to the game that you wanted to mention that was supposed to be done this past weekend, but it wasn't. Uh, yes, actually. And it does kind of tie into the game itself. So okay. it kind of works out. Yeah. Um, this Sunday or this Monday, sorry. Uh, the women of the CFL group is going to be hosting a personal hygiene collection drive. Uh, essentially what's happening is the women of the CFL have uh, set up five different games where they've been collecting uh, uh, hygiene products uh, in order to donate to a local women's shelter. And it was actually supposed to take place uh, this past uh, Sunday. But unfortunately, that sort of coincided with the Tackle Hunger game. So I guess the idea was, I guess you could have two charitable organizations working at the same time. So they decided to uh, re uh, reschedule the event for the women of the CFL to this Thanksgiving game. So if you folks are coming to the game, uh, if you can find your way to bring some uh, un- unused, unopened uh, hygienic products to donate, uh, the... Uh, a couple of the wives of the Alouettes will be collecting these items at the tailgate itself, uh, and that's located at the east side of the stadium. Uh, if you can find your way to uh, to help with this uh, absolutely wonderful cause, uh, please do so. Uh, if you have any questions or any concerns, uh, you can go to the Facebook page. Uh, it's uh, facebook.com slash womenofthecfl for more information. And uh, just an absolutely wonderful group uh, with a great initiative and all the uh, – Donations are going to be turned over to, uh, I believe it's uh, Shea Doris, is the uh, the women's shelter is going to be receiving the products here in Montreal. Uh, so yeah, uh, I'm, we so we saw how generous Montrealers can be last week yeah. with the tackle hunger game. So I'm hoping that the same generosity will still apply, and that fans that are coming to the game, 
I mean, it's Thanksgiving. So I mean, we've all got a lot to be thankful for. If we can help our our fellow women in need, then uh, I think we owe it to uh, we owe it to CFL fans everywhere to show just how generous Montreal can be one more time. Um, also, hey, it's the to talk about the game uh, in general itself. It's Family Day. It's the first ever Family Day uh, promotion that the league is doing. Um, if you haven't gotten your tickets already, by the way, it's $5 tickets for kids, and I think it is up to the age of 15 where you can get $5 tickets. And um, call the Alouettes ticket office if you're a season ticket holder and you have part of your your bank that's available to you, uh, your season ticket bank, depending on which level you're at. Um, go ahead and call your, uh, your your account manager and get your tickets that way. Because I will admit, what better way to introduce anybody, male, female, boy, girl, whatever it is, uh, to a CFL game for the first time? A uh, Cliff, $5 tickets, is you can't beat that. No. And I was really pleasantly surprised to see that uh, I think we got the, the biggest turnout this year against the Riders, at the game versus the Riders. Now I I'm sure that a lot of that was because Rider Nation always comes out for their for the football games no matter what, but I'm curious if uh, if if Johnny Manziel can guarantee eighteen thousand people in the seats, I can't help but wonder if you also throw in five dollar tickets for kids. I don't see why the stadium can't be completely filled. Quite frankly, I mean at that price, I mean who couldn't afford to take their kids to see a football game? You got the day off anyways because it's Thanksgiving. Uh, I mean. There'll, there'll be turkeys at the game as well. Uh, the smoked turkey legs. So, I mean, oh, you can yeah. have your turkey dinner. Yeah. Uh, the tailgate was also going to be, uh, again, going to have a Thanksgiving theme to it as well. So, as far as I'm concerned, folks, like this would be the If you're going to sell out Molson Stadium, this would be the game to do it at. Oh, for sure. Uh, it's Hey, if you haven't gone to a tailgate all either, this, this would be the time to go too. <laughs> there you go. I mean, listen, tailgate's always a good time. I mean, and... It's not just me saying that. I mean, I've had fans come in from other CFL cities, and they've just been blown away at just how well done this tailgate is here in Montreal. So if you folks haven't had a chance to check it out yet, by all means, come on down. I mean, they'll be there bright and early uh, all the way up to kickoff. I mean, it's it's always, always a good time. Oh, yeah. No, no. For sure. For sure. For sure. Um, okay. So we got the game coming up. The Five Dimes, by the way, has the game currently listed as the uh, Calgary Stampeders are currently favored by 14. Um, that's, that's I think, it's the third highest that, that that team has had coming into the coming into a game this year. Uh, over under, is it 50 and a half points? Um, as we mentioned before in the interview uh, with Danny, is that, you know, Calgary has lost the last seven of 10. Let's change it around. The Alouettes have won the last seven of 10 and four <laughs> in a row versus Calgary at home. Um, what, man, what does this Alouettes team need to do to, to pull off this win? I mean, as I said, not necessarily a trap game for a lot. Maybe some Stampeder, Stampeder fans are, are thinking this. And it could be a trap game. Um, but uh, what do the Alouettes have to do to uh, to build on what happened this past week versus Saskatchewan and to make it a complete game to win versus the, uh, the league leading Stampeders. Again, when you think about the Stampeders, the one thing I think about is just that absolutely punishing defense. I mean, yes, Bo Levi Mitchell is one of, if not the elite quarterback in the Canadian football league. And you could get like four guys 
four random guys off the street as his receiving core, and he'll still rack up three, four touchdowns and 400 yards passing. That's just how good the guy is. So, yes, the offense is definitely something to take care of, but uh, this defense for Calgary just we saw it earlier this year when the Alouettes went out to Calgary and this is a scary, scary unit, no matter what, even when they've got guys that are hurt, they still find ways to restock and come at you even harder. It's, it's remarkable. And I just look at this offensive line in Montreal and I just think about the, the, the defensive line for Calgary. Uh, I expect about the linebackers, Alex Singleton, uh, these guys, this front seven for uh, Calgary is just going to want to come after Manziel. And if this offensive line lets them, then it's going to be a long, long day for our, our Heisman winning quarterback. I think Montreal is going to have to balance their attack a lot better. I know Manziel wants to be that superstar. He wants to make all those exciting plays happen, but he's got to find a way to get the, get the running game involved too. He's got oh, not just yeah. him. And not just him taking the ball and running himself. I mean, it was impressive the way he did that, but he's got to rely on his workhorses. He's got to give William Stanback as many touches as possible. He's got to spread the ball around, and these receivers really have to step up and catch the bloody ball. There's just no two ways about it. Calgary is going to punish you so many different ways, but if you can just hit them back in the mouth just a little bit and make this as competitive as possible, again, Calgary does not play very well here in Montreal. You've got to take advantage of that. And there's so many times where Montreal, I feel, just does not take advantage of a lot of their situations. But now their backs are really, truly against the wall. If they even want to entertain the idea of possibly making the Grey Cup playoffs, they got to win. It's as simple as that. Like All the scenarios are out the window. It's simple now. Win or stay home. That's really what it comes down to now for the Alouettes. So if they, if they can just somehow find a way to beat Calgary, like they have the past four games... I mean, anything's possible, right? So, oh yeah, a- anything is possible. I said, uh, for some for some reason, they've been able to knock off this this Stampeders team as as they had this this many times in a row. Um, on the other side of the coin, we at least got to say for for Thanksgiving, the Alouettes all time are twenty and seventeen when they play on uh, when they play on uh, Thanksgiving, and that that's that's home and away. Um, when they play just at Percival Molson, which I should have figured out before when they are playing at Percival Molson they are 15 and 14 uh, they have lost the last three Thanksgiving Day games and the last uh, five of six but again as I say almost anything can happen on Thanksgiving and that's that's you know turkey um, we could say the turducken but that, that's a fox thing that's a U.S. Thanksgiving thing I think they yes. serve one anyways here didn't isn't one of the uh TSN do something like that. Like it's not a turducken. It's something. Do they not? I'm not sure to be. I I honestly don't remember because yeah. again, I'm usually at the game on on Thanksgiving Day, so I don't see if they do anything on on TV. So oh, that, that's true. And by the way, but and I'm sure a lot of the fans are going to be watching this game. If if uh, the over under for uh, for them, TSN mentioning Johnny Manziel. Hopefully, it's under 100 this time around because somebody actually did the count. Cliff, I don't know if you saw it. 154 times TSN, I guess Rod Black, mentioned uh, Johnny Manziel during the broadcast. That's nuts, man. There is uh, There are other things in this Alouettes team besides Johnny football. Yeah, but nobody gives a rat's ass about them. It's Johnny football all the time, at least if you were in living in Rod Black's world, which <laughs> I, saw, I saw this stat too online, and I said to myself, 
this is what the Alouettes should be promoting more than fourth quarter tickets or $5 tickets for kids or $2 hot dogs. or that. If you really want to promote something, promote the fact that, hey, come to the Alouettes game because you don't have to listen to Rod Black. <laughs> to me, if that's not – that's the greatest possible selling point. Like, I, I, I'd line up and buy 20 tickets right now. Like, I don't have to listen to this idiot talk. Yeah. Oh, great. And by the way, this, this is a, a sort of a, 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 a shout out to the fan who was, I was talking with on Twitter. We're talking recently over the past couple of weeks uh, when it comes to Johnny Menzel. And it's like, oh, you know, uh, why, you know last game they only drew, uh, I think it was like 15,000 or whatever it was. Um, well, he, he says, I'll watch the next time John, Johnny Menzel starts. Okay, yeah. Okay, I, I do understand that, yes, we did draw more people. Uh, even though it really didn't look it, um, but still, it was still less people showed up for this for the second Johnny Menzel game at home than it did for the first one. So it can't be all Johnny football. Well, again, you're you're also talking about Ryder Nation showing up. Like there was a lot That's of green in the too. stadium. That's true too. Yeah, but it's uh, the weather. I think really made the made the announced attendance of eighteen. I think it was eighteen five. Really did not look like eighteen five. I was really scared. That the Alouettes, uh, that the numbers really weren't going to be that high for this game. So it's, um, yeah, I forgot about I forgot about Ryder Nation, man. They 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 they, they come out in droves, man. They're they're like the Steelers and and Raiders fans of the of the CFL. Absolutely. So I'm I'm really curious myself too to see uh, on Monday what the ascendance is going to be like. I know the weather is not supposed to be the greatest potentially, but uh, again, uh, it's a day off. Uh, you got this the family day thing, so you're going to have uh, a, a lot of kids there potentially. I'm really curious to see just what kind of numbers. And again, is it really because of Johnny football? I I don't want to believe it, but uh, hey, prove me wrong, folks. I mean, if, if this game sells out, I mean, maybe it really is because, uh, it, again, we, we can't – like Stamps Nation, I don't know. I don't think they travel nearly as well as what Rodgers Nation does. But uh, if this game draws another 18,000, if not more, then maybe there is really something. Maybe this – there really is something to the whole Johnny sells tickets narrative. So yeah, but you know what? I, in my opinion, though, I think it needs to be a game where they don't have five dollar tickets. It needs to be a regular, regular season game. You know what I mean? To to have a true test. I mean, I know the Alouettes are saying it doesn't matter. You know, if eighteen show up, eighteen show up. Um, but to go from fifteen for Pipkin's last start to eighteen for Johnny, you know, from his first one where he drew eighteen five, there were still less. There were still less from his first start. In Montreal. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's the first time that he showed up. And where were all the people? You know, thank God you weren't all these people, moron people chanting Johnny, Johnny, Johnny as much as it was. Now, mind you, I was sitting at the 50-yard line. Was it as bad in our normal seats in Y1? Oh, it was brutal, especially oh, during was the— was it? Okay, I guess it wasn't really as prominent from where we were sitting then. Well, well, no, what kind of bugged the crap out of me more than anything else was uh, after Johnny scored, of course everybody's excited, everybody's hyped up, but going for the two-point convert and everybody's still making noise. I noticed that too, yeah. Like, shut the f*** up. You know that the again, – again, how do you not know by now? And again, I don't I still understand why the Alouettes don't put their quiet, you know, offense at work yeah, sign up. Right, yeah. Like, don't tell me you, – you, I know you have it. Put it to use. I mean, like, this is ridiculous. Like, like again, again, our section, I find, is a very football-knowledgeable section. Very, like, yes. Like, there's not too many so-called tourists there that are just, you know, wandering around, don't know what the hell don't, – don't know their ass from their elbow. Like – and these people are still making crazy noise every time Manziel lines up. Like, no, like, do you not understand at this point? And again, the Alouettes can sort of help the cause a little bit too by just flash that thing. 
hey, shh, quiet. And you even saw it, like the players were even motioning for everybody to be quiet. Like this is, it's it's embarrassing. Yeah, I was, I, I couldn't believe they're actually doing that either. It was like, dude, it, 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 we're not on offense. Uh, we're on offense. We're not on defense. Just come on, dude. Come on. Um, I'm trying to think what else is there. Um, anything else I'm trying to think of before, before we finish up and, and, uh, and, uh, and take off this, uh, take off this week. Um, the, oh, the only thing, the uh, one other reminder, uh, like last year, we are involved in the CFL Twitter awards. Uh, we are hoping to be nominated again this year for favorite, uh, podcast account. Uh, we were lucky enough to be in the finalists last year, but I think it's time that, uh, we, the Alouettes flight deck dethrone the two time defending champ, uh, the guys over at the Eskimos podcast. Uh, so if you are on the Twitters, uh, if you go over to uh, just send a, a message to the guys over at the CFL Twitter awards, that's at, at CFL T awards and make sure that you put in this hashtag fave F A V podcast account. So that's F A V P O D C A S T A C C T. That's a lot of T's. Um, and just mention us, uh, the Alouettes Flight Deck, um, and uh, hopefully we can be in the the final three again, where we can take the, take down that dreaded empire. Dun dun dun. Yeah, I, again, no disrespect to the to the fine folks over at the Eskimo Empire podcast, but uh, you you've had the crown for two years in a row. It's time to let someone else wear it. And yeah. who better than the Alouettes Flight Deck? DQ yourself. You're DQ. Get out of here. Uh, do not forget also that because we are on social media, there are multiple places where you can find us. You can find us at Twitter. That's at Alouette's FL Deck. Also, uh, Alouette's Flight Deck on Facebook. If you want to listen to the entire archive of past Alouette Flight Deck shows, you can do so. The easiest way to, is to go over to www.alouette'sflightdeck.ca or on other podcast uh, um what, what is the word on uh, aggregates? Uh, you can do so, but uh, multiple places. It is at iTunes, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and Spotify. So, Cliff, uh, any? do you have any Thanksgiving uh, rituals that you do before a game? Hmm. Thanksgiving rituals. Yeah. Are you, Other than... are you that type? Or do you have anything? Or is it just a matter of put on your 50 jersey and let's go? Well, uh, you know I'm always going to put my 50 jersey on and let's go. Oh, but... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> When it comes to Thanksgiving, uh, I mean, again, tailgate, folks. I mean, if you, if you want to get your, your Thanksgiving on, I mean, that's the time and the place to do it. And uh, I'm just hoping that we won't have a repeat performance of last year where you and I pretty much almost drowned at the <laughs> yeah, stadium right. because of the rain. Yeah, yeah. I mean, thankfully, well, thankfully, Section Y1 has that beautiful overhang to it. So I'm fairly confident uh, I'll be nice and dry. But uh, yeah, I will be too. I, I, I understand. But I, I enjoyed I enjoyed my time sitting on the fifty yard line enough so that I'm going to be doing it for the home finale for for the Argo. So it's uh, any season ticket holders out there, you got to take advantage of your uh, season ticket bank. If the team is going to give you, I don't know what it is for the low ones, but for myself, for as long as I've had mine, if they're giving me two hundred fifty bucks to buy tickets to introduce or to uh, new people or to upgrade my seats for a game, take advantage of it. It's there for a reason. You know, you, you, you get a different view of where the seats are, different sections. And, hey, you get to live like the, like the you know, uh, all, the, all the beautiful people for at least one or two games. Okay. 
so bougie. <laughs> so, Cliff, I will see you at the game on Monday. I know you're sitting near me. Don't know where yet, but I know I will see you. Um, and, uh, uh, again, $5 tickets for, for kids. What a great way to, to go to a game, especially on a, on a holiday Monday. So for everybody here at the Otherwise Flight Deck, for Cliffy D, I'm Tim Capper. We're on Final Approach. Take Thanks for listening. Find more great shows like this at CF Pod Network on Twitter.